this is our purpose. This is what the business is here for. It's not just about making money. It's got to be about more than that, right? Welcome to USA Booming, the podcast where business gets personal. Here's Ryan and Sam. So I've got to say, I love Charlotte this time of year. It is getting so nice. One of the best places to be on the planet. It's incredible. It's incredible. The only reason why I'm inside is to be able to talk to somebody whose businesses businesses are truly booming. I see what you did there. Yeah. We've got a serial entrepreneur here. Uh, Lee, why don't you say hello to everybody? Hey, guys. All right. We've got Lee Cornwell. He's with Cornwell Capital. And um, again... Serial entrepreneur, looking for more targets at some point, ready to go. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Cornwall Capital real quick? Sure, I'd be happy to. And hey, Ryan, Sam, thanks for, thanks for having me today. This is oh, a lot man, of fun. We're fired up. We're fired up. So Cornwall Capital is a family office that my dad and I started in 2015. And our whole premise is to acquire family businesses that we can, that we can hold and grow. So one thing that differentiates us is that we have no intention of selling anything that we buy. We're in it for the long term. And also something that's a little bit different is the types of businesses that we like are the dirty and loud type. So we, we, we like to make things. We like companies in the manufacturing space particularly that make products that aren't going out of style anytime soon mm-hmm. and things that we can run with for, for decades. Dirty and loud. I like it. I like it. So I thought he was talking about us for a second there. But he's talking <laughs> he about might have been, but I think he's talking about his baby. So <laughs> yeah. like dirty and loud. So you um, right now, uh, Cornwall Capital owns two companies. Right. Right. Um, we've got Berlin Manufacturing. Correct. And Power Curbers. Correct. That's, that's Both it. here local to the to the Charlotte area. Um, why don't we? What what exactly is is Berlin and and Power Curbers? Sure. So Berlin is a almost 50 year old textile business. And we make industrial type of textiles. So products that go into hydraulic hose, as well as strapping and webbing as well. And Power Curbers is makes concrete paving machines. So mm. slip form paving machines, things like putting curb and gutter down, sidewalks, barrier walls, uh, concrete interstate highways as well. Okay, so those dividers that we see along the, yep, the side of exactly. the road during construction and exactly. those types of things. So um, not everybody might be as familiar, but what exactly is strapping and, and webbing? Right, so strapping is used in the packaging and load securement market. So everything from holding together truss packages like lumber to holding down steel pipe to a rail car. And then webbing gets used to lift things up for slings and construction-related projects and overhead cranes as well. So between the two companies, how many employees do you have? We've got about 300 between both of them. Wow. Whoa. That's phenomenal. I'm glad I'm not doing payroll. Yeah. I mean, uh, to cut 300 paychecks every two weeks or so, right? I mean, that's... Rewarding. Yeah. Is what it is. You know what it feels like, you know, to to be a boss it does in every sense of the word yeah that's 300 families that are who are they affecting because of these two companies i i love there's a web for you but um so let let's let's go in reverse here for a little bit we you have these two companies family office buying family businesses awesome story right there you didn't start there so 
where did we begin this journey? So I, I grew up in Charlotte. I'm a native Charlottean and a unicorn, right? Yeah. That's what they call the native Charlottean. I've got two of them in front of me, you guys, by the yep. way. Uh, Sam is native. So is Lee. Well, what my dad, right. my dad would tell you that we just, we're still here. We've just been diluted, <laughs> which isn't right. necessarily, which isn't a bad thing. It, it, it's all good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. So, so I studied engineering in school and kind of had that knack of just loving how things work and how things fit together, but always knew I wanted to get into business. And so I worked in, so after school, I worked for National Gypsum and I sold drywall okay. for, mm. for a couple of years. And that was leading right into the Great Recession. So obviously my timing wasn't terrific. So ended up going back to school and got my MBA because I had no idea what finance or accounting was. I had studied concrete and retaining walls in college, right, and right. I didn't know what a debit or a credit was. So this was clearly <laughs> going to be a problem. So I went back to school, and then my wife and I ended up moving to Oklahoma, and I worked for a, a family business out in Oklahoma in the oil and gas business mm. for about three years. All right. Which was tremendous experience. I, they, they let me do a lot of things they should never have let me do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably oil and gas in a nutshell, you know. But <laughs> it was. But it was, it was a blast. We loved it. It was, it was good for our, my marriage as well because we had just gotten married and moved out and we're in a place totally by ourselves. And, and when you're somewhere and you don't know anyone, you totally rely on each other. And it, it, was, it was terrific. I think my wife and I, if she was here, she'd tell you it's probably one of the greatest decisions we ever made. Awesome. Wow. That's, that's phenomenal. So you said that you went back to school. Where would that be? I went back to, I went to Clemson for undergrad and then Chapel Hill for business school. Yeah. So, so he gets football season taken care of and basketball season. Yep. I, I, my, my heart is Clemson <laughs> for sure. Okay. Oh yeah. You will okay. notice I've got my Clemson shirt on today. So that's, uh, that's abundantly clear. That's where it is. <laughs> so Clemson basketball plays UNC Tar Heels. Clemson. Always. There we go. Well, I, I tell you, as a Clemson basketball fan, you have to be hoping for the day they finally win in Chapel Hill. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we, like we, we, don't sp- we, we, we don't we don't speak of that streak someday at someday it'll we'll get over it won't be this year or next year but someday maybe or maybe not it's my lifetime mo- but when we do i'm just going to quietly celebrate and because i would just want to act like it never happened <laughs> that, that's one of the uh most remarkable sports tracks really? and no one ever talks about it clemson has never won in chapel hill Never. So you're not a closet Tar Heel fan then? No. No? No. no. It's just um, I, I don't have a dog in that fight being a Wolfpack guy. But okay. I just love basketball so much. I did not know that. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm here to serve. <laughs> yeah, so I tell you what, man. I mean, uh, we are here in Charlotte. It's beautiful weather. It's a growing city. Um, you go ahead and you move out to Oklahoma, which is a big step on its own. So... Um, you know, it, it makes me just want to ask, how did you get out there? It, it just kind of a, a recruiter? I mean, is that where your major was at some point? Oil and gas? It's a vast. Yeah, that's a great right? question. It, so I always liked energy, just the whole aspect of getting into the energy business. It, that it fascinated me. And I was so I was willing to move to go out and get into the middle of it. And interestingly enough, my brother in law was working in development for the University of Arkansas at the time. And okay. he became really mm. good friends with a, an attorney in Tulsa who does a lot of work for the company that I, that I ended up working for. And so he's the one who made the introduction. I went out there to interview and 
my wife just thought this whole thing was crazy. And she said, I don't <laughs> right. even know. I don't even know where Oklahoma is. Yeah. Where's she from? She's from Saluda, South Carolina. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Where? So about two hours south of, so about two hours south of Charlotte, halfway between Columbia and Augusta is where she's from. Did she you know where Saluda was? I did. You, you know where all those places are. I do. All right. I do. All right. I've been in the Carolinas a long time. Okay. Okay. So Saluda, I'm sorry. Saluda's but, uh, off yeah. the beaten path though. That's the point. Okay. I got you. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So anyway, she says, holy cow, we're, are we really doing this? Ladies? Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. And uh, and so I finally convinced her to to move out there after I got interviewed and, and got the offer. And we, again, we just had a, a tremendous experience and made some lifelong friends. We go out there still once a year. Oh, that's We're great. headed out there next month to go see everybody. And Very good. It's, it's Yeah, it was great. It was terrific. So when I hear that, I mean, I... I um, I'm not a hunter, but I do enjoy getting out of the woods. Do you do any of that while you're out there? Is that, is that anything that you do, hunting, bird hunting, what have you? So in the oil and gas business, if you play golf and you shoot shotguns, then you get invited to everything. <laughs> everything. Because that is, if every corporate event is one of those two things. They're the two most fun. And well, I would say if shooting guns is just fun. I, I do. I enjoy it. So we do, I grew up, I grew up duck hunting mostly. Awesome. And so in doing bird hunting as well. And so we did a lot of uh, golf tournaments and skeet shooting events. And yeah, it was great. Great way to network. That's it. Awesome. No wonder you have lifelong friends now. Those oil and gas guys have a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like. Uh, well, Cat Lee over here. <laughs> so you, you move out there, you have a, uh, a new marriage. And um, what, what was the pullback to the Carolinas? So it was very, what felt to me pretty random. And so we, we actually came back. This was the U.S. Open was at Pinehurst. And this was the summer of 2014, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And we were going to go with my parents and, and Katie's parents too, my wife's parents, to the tournament. And then we're going to go to the beach for a long weekend. Right, come back from Oklahoma. It's going to be great. My dad gives me this kind of look and says, why don't you ride with me? And that's this total look, and I know him well enough to know that it's like you're up to something. You're it's, riding with me, boy. Exactly. Yes, sir. Doesn't so, the mob do that too? <laughs> yeah. and, and so we hop in the car, and he says, "All right, I've got this wild idea, and I want you and Katie to move back to Charlotte, and I want us to start a family office and go out and invest in invest in companies." And this was so cool. It yeah, it was. He threw me. It, he totally threw me for a loop. I, I was not, I was not expecting this. This was obviously something that he had been thinking about for a while, totally unbeknownst to me. Right. Mm. Right. And so we kicked it around. It wasn't a, it, it honestly, it wasn't an immediate yes. Right. There was a lot of conversation with Katie and I and what we wanted to do. And then also a lot of conversation with my dad about, Hey, what is this going to look like? What do we, what exactly are we going to try to do? What are our roles and responsibilities? What does this governance look like? You know, and what is this going to be long term? And so we spent months and months kicking that around before we really committed to come to moving back. Right. Well, in three years out there, that's probably when you're starting to hit a groove. It was. Yeah, you're starting to meet friends. You're feeling good in your spot. Yeah, you know who you like to golf with, who you like to avoid in the club. Whatever, Life was good. Right? <laughs> Life was good. Yeah. Oil was at a hundred bucks when yeah. I left. Great timing. It was because it wasn't about two months after I left. <laughs> no, it's still not to no, this day. It's still great. a struggle out there. But 
That's really cool. So I, I tell you what, I mean, you, you, you did touch on your dad a little bit. I think one of the neat things that, um, at least when, when we're talking off the microphones, one of the things I really like to, to get from you is just the perspective that you give uh, within business, right? You kind of have this pedigree a little bit. So as much as you'd like, tell, tell us a little bit, our viewers. I mean, again, some of our uh, viewers are people that are looking to start a business. Maybe they've started one, they're struggling a little bit. Um, what are some things that you learned early on coming from a family that, that does have an entrepreneur background? So that's a great question. And our family, we grew up in a family business. And so what my dad and I started is, is associated with our legacy family business, but we're doing it on our own. So having grown up in that environment, we really learned what it's like to work with your family mm. and the good parts and yes. the bad parts. And that gave us a huge advantage when we set up our own shop and, and having that experience said, hey, this is how you need, these are the things we know we need to think about and things we need to plan mm, for. Right. And, it, but also fundamentally, it really taught us the lesson of what it can be like when you work with your family and how rewarding that can be. It can be incredibly hard and frustrating at the same time, but when everything's clicking and you, you're doing things the right way, it's, it's things are probably good. the most rewarding thing things you can good. do. I don't know if you knew this. Did you know Sam was my brother-in-law? I did not. This is a family run podcast. Yeah. In-law. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I married his little sis. Wow. And she's a lot prettier. I, I don't <laughs> doubt that, but I, I, I didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, so we, we get it. We get it. When yeah. things are clicking, it's it's awesome. I mean, I would like well, to say it's yeah, been fun. Ahead. Well, yeah, I was just going to say it's I, been a lot of fun. To the to your point, Lee, um, when when you do have those mountaintop experience, the, the joys are almost doubled because right. it, you know you're invested with these people. Mm -hmm. And so when Ryan and I, we, when we have those moments in our business, it, those high fives become hugs because you're you're just doing it in the trenches with these guys. So how rewarding to do it with your dad, and um, yeah. I, I can only imagine being in business with my dad. That'd be that'd be kind of comical, but um, we know exactly where you're coming from with that. Yeah, phenomenal. So, so dad says, all right, let's go ahead and let's start acquiring companies. And uh, when when you start talking about that. Obviously, you're here in Charlotte. You grew up in Charlotte. Was uh, the ge geography ge geography was geography <laughs> important to you? I mean, uh, you know, were you was it more about anywhere in the Carolinas? Did you want something central, so many miles outside of Charlotte? Uh, you know, was location a big um, item in the shopping list? It was, and it, it was at first, but it changed. And I think that's part of the lesson too is how your strategy evolves over time. And so when we started, we wanted to find a business within 60 miles of Charlotte. Okay. We said, all right, we're going we're gonna to find that, and then I'm going to go in, and I'm going to run it. And after about 60 days of that, I went to my dad and said, this is crazy. This is never going to work. <laughs> I said, this is not going to work. So you had given your, uh, your two weeks notice, whatever, right, in Oklahoma, and you moved over here previous to any type of lead on buying a company, you guys just said, all right, we're going to go ahead and go do this. Right. So, yeah. Sweet. So we had moved back Good for you. We moved back at the end of 2014. And then we spent, my dad and I spent the month of January in an office doing nothing but rehearsing our story, our elevator pitch, right. working on a one pager, the lead behind when you go network with folks. Yeah. And so we spent an entire month on that. And then in February is when we really hit the road and started networking with folks. Wow. It's I love the, awesome. the feet first approach there. 
move back and let's let's do it. And you know what? That's the way entrepreneurs do it, I, I think, right? You just kind of go and you're going to make it work. Let me be clear. We had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we had never bought a business before. I had been to business school, which made me an expert in this. <laughs> right. And so we had, no, we had no idea, but we just, we knew we had a, we had a good story. We know what we want to do and we know what we want to look like. And we surrounded ourselves with with experts, legal experts and accounting experts. And we knew who were going to really keep us out of trouble at the end of the day. And then we just, we just hit the road. You know what we keep hearing over and over, Ryan, and this, this Lee is no different here where a lot of people would view that as extremely risky. You move your, your, your new wife back here. You, you really don't have the target yet. You're, you're starting a family business. That's risky to most people, whereas the entrepreneur says, no, I'm the one taking the risk and is in control of that risk. Those other things that people talk about, that's risky to them. So um, it's just a completely different mindset that we're seeing there. Um, can you talk about how you view risk, um, especially as you're uh, jumping out there looking for uh, the, these type of companies before you you actually had the purchases go through? Yeah, I, I mean... It, it was a it was a leap of faith, but I think at the same time we felt pretty confident in what we were doing and just knew at the end of the day we were going to make it work. And I, I didn't know how long it was going to take. It didn't. We, I was surprised that we we bought Berlin, our first company, in eighteen months. Which, if you if you ask most people, that's a pretty quick time frame. But I, it is a it's a it's a brutal ride trying to acquire a business, and so you just have to be. It's really it's a mix of being persistent and having a lot and having tenacity because you just can't tenacity. you have to be relentless in what you're doing in your approach and you can't take no for an answer and so but from a from a risk perspective it, we have had and I say my dad tells him this too I mean we have a higher appetite up for risk than most people right and so we're just willing to we're just willing to accept that. So you, you fast forward here to um, it's 2015, 2016, you, you, you find yeah. Berlin. Yeah. And um, so what, how did power curbers come into the, to the picture? So we were thrilled with Berlin and how things were going. And, and so we said we really took a, a pause on the going out and looking for companies because that whole search process is a roller coaster and a half it was, I mean, that first year I dragged my dad around to over 300 meetings and right. we looked at over, we looked at over a hundred and we looked at 150 wow. companies before we bought Berlin. Wow. So it's a 1% game. So it, it is, it's not for yeah. the faint of heart. And also the guy that we bought Berlin from, he told us no three times. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. So Fourth as, time's the charm. So as you know, <laughs> no, no only means no today, <laughs> not tomorrow. So we were so we knew, having had that experience of what it took, and I knew that I could not effectively run Berlin and go out and look for a new business at the same mm, time. Right. Yeah. Because you could try to do both. I, I felt I, you could try to do both, but you're going to end up failing at both of them because they both take so much time to do. Mm -hmm. And so we were happy, but a, a friend of ours who knows us well, knows our story, knows exactly what we like, called and said, hey, there's this company in Salisbury called Power Curbers, and they're looking to sell. They're, 
there, it's exactly what you want. You need to go talk to them. And so again, we weren't looking and my dad, I said, all right, Hey, let's go. So my dad and I hop in the car, we drive up there and I said, I tell him, Hey, just know, just get your mind ready for liking this. I was like, from what I can tell, <laughs> this is, this is what it, we like. <laughs> so we go up there, we meet with them for two hours, just two hours and had a great meeting with them, the whole management team and the owner. And then we hop back in the car. And the first thing I say to my dad when we start driving back is, well, I guess I know what I'm going to be doing the next 60 days. Oh, man. So you knew that this was going to be an acquisition. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Two hours right there. So that's amazing, right? So it's like 150 companies, 300 meetings, four no's to get Berlin, one meeting with power curbers. And it's like, okay, we're going to get there. One trip up 85 and you have your second company. Yep. Yeah. So actually, I, w- I want to back up a little bit to Berlin, um, right? I mean, the thing that stands out in my mind is 150 companies you went and sat down with. I know you didn't ask all 150 four times because the math just doesn't work. 300 and 150. I, I know that, right? So what was it about Berlin that made you come back at least twice more than you did the other ones was there something there that was really like this one because sure. I, I tell you what i mean some of the some of the work that lee has done with berlin the reshaping of management i mean i i wish i hope we have some time to get into a little bit of of how you've reshaped that company it's starting to become a little bit of a buzz of what's happening out there it's extraordinary yeah so so you what was it about berlin that you knew this was an opportunity that we could turn into something really cool mm-hmm. or was that you know Absolutely. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, so if we looked at 150, there was only one that we wanted that we got told no, or actually someone else bought it before we could really okay. get in the door. The rest, we said no. And, huh. but what Berlin had, Berlin had a great, had a great team at fantastic people. And that's the first and foremost thing. I mean, that it, everything else is secondary to people. And so okay. that's what we really liked. They had, it was clearly professionally run. They had systems in place. They had processes. They had a, a, and great products and products that we think we can run with for a Berlin had, Berlin had a great, had a great team. They had fantastic people. And that's the first and foremost thing. I mean, that it, everything else is secondary to people. And so okay. that's what we really liked. It becomes obvious. Wow. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, he's being a little bit modest, in my opinion. I mean, you hear a lot about what Lee's doing around in the community and, and shape reshaping this company. But, um, you know, maybe you've been that leader that they've needed. You had the people in place and then you've come in and, and, and done a few things there. So um, awesome. Awesome. And then uh, Power Curbers, from what we understand, we talked a little bit beforehand. So Power Curbers is a little bit of a different relationship. Right. In Berlin. Berlin, you're the boss. You're in there every day. Power curbers, not so much. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I'm, I have no day-to-day responsibility at power curbers. I'm, technically, I'm the chairman. And so we go up there twice a month just to sit down with the, the current president who we promoted. He was the existing VP of sales and a terrific guy. Been with the business a long time, great leader. And it was pretty natural to promote him into the president role. And he's, he's been there since April and, or April or May, and he's doing a terrific job, and we're excited to have him. So we go up there twice a month to, to meet with him and also meet with the rest of the, of the management team and just, just to check in on things and see how it's going. That's Not awesome. bad. Not bad at all. So you basically just go up there and collect checks. Is that right to everybody? No? We hand them out. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. Very good. Very good. So, so you, uh, we've walked a little bit down the acquisition path. Um, man, uh, for the limited time we have, I would love to just almost have a segment on what that was like, but, um, now you have these two companies, um, you have a path probably now that you've owned both for more than two years, I kind of say with a piece of real estate, right? You buy a house after a couple of years, that's yours, right? right? So you have these companies, they're, they're yours. Um, what excites you today about, about what's going on with either company? Is there anything out there that you're really kind of pumped about? It's all about the people and seeing our people develop and some of our managers and our younger managers as well. They're, we've got some extremely capable folks and seeing them develop and learn new things they're doing a great job now, but they're going to be even better in the future. And I think that's what gives us so much confidence in our, in our businesses. And then also our, our growth prospects. It's not, we, we are not necessarily, our model is not serial acquirers. We don't have to just buy a business each year to try to grow it. That's not, that's part, that, that can be part of it, but we're really interested in the organic growth aspect of it as well. And we've got a lot of really great new products coming out in, in both companies that uh, been a huge work in progress. This is uh, all hands on deck trying to get some of this stuff done, but it's, it's going to be great when we get them, we get them rolling. So would you say that um, right now, whether it's Berlin or power curbers, what are some of the bigger hurdles you're having to deal with? As exciting as talent is, talent is also a huge hurdle. And turnovers oh, yeah. is a is, is a big problem. Turn at, at Burland, I'd say actually at both companies, for the last year and a half to two years, our turnovers about double the historical average. Now, is that just the job market out there with I the low so. unemployment in the county that you're in? And yes, and I think North Carolina's unemployment is is lower than the national average as well. So it, there's so many job opportunities out there that people's willingness to change is is pretty high. Right. And the switching costs of finding another job is probably the as low as has ever been. It's kind of like if you if you want a job, you have one at at this day and age and it's mm-hmm. you sure. got to keep up as an employer. That's so mm-hmm. that's a big hurdle right now for you is is how good the employment picture is. It is. And there's no silver bullet to this. There's no one thing we could do. I wish there was, but that's just not the case. And so it's it's a there's about 100 things that you've got to do differently and things that you have to improve upon and and that's what we're focused on and kind of just taking them down one at a time. What are some of the things you are looking to do? So if um, you have this hot of a job market, what are some of the things you want to do to um, incentivize that good talent, good young new talent to come in? So some some of the simple things is we've, we've established profit sharing plans at, at both companies right. for, for all employees. So all employees get to share in the growth of the business. We've improved our benefits packages as well, but also training is a huge thing. Bringing people in, having having good training programs where we can develop people and grow, uh, give them opportunities to move up throughout the whole organization. We've done a, a lot at Berlin around creating pay grade levels and defining what it what does it mean and where jobs are. And so, you, hey, you come in here at this this level, but then you do these things and you can move up and you can make more money and you can grow throughout the organization. Right. Right. And, and you and I have talked about this a little bit off the mic, um, but you've even done things, incorporated ideas to really make the employees feel like they have a voice such as round tables yeah. and, 
you know, it, by design, I mean, where does the round table idea come from? I think it's, it's awesome in it, some of the response you've gotten. No, that, and that's been great. I actually, well, I, I, I totally, I stole it from a friend of mine who said he was, he had started it and, and I thought it was a great idea. So I meet with about once a month, I do an employee round table at Berlin where we get, we have a group of employees from every department, from every shift. And we sit down and we just, we talk about what's going on. What are the issues? What are the challenges? What are the things we need to improve upon? And we've had a lot of really good feedback that's been constructive that we've been able to then turn into actionable items to help, right. to help move things forward. Wow. That can only help rapport. What a, yeah. what a cool idea. The thing that I like about that is if you're an employee working for Lee and he's this new owner that comes in, you're kind of thinking, Oh gosh, what's going on? Here's the and, new guy. And here the new guy is looking to understand more than to be understood. Right. Yes. Where he's really trying to say, I want to hear from you. And then as an employee, if I'm there working third shift and I'm on this round table, right. And I've got this new, and then I see an idea that I brought up being well, implemented. And that he's at the round table, not behind a closed door, sending Absolutely. out a memo. Absolutely. You, you don't send, you Although know, you're you the head of HR or right. whatever, right. You, yeah. You're there sitting down with the employees, right. I mean, hearing, yeah. hearing the face on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I tell you what, so this is where you are, right? Um, some exciting things. Where do you see Cornwell Capital, um, your two companies, you know, five, 10 years down the road? What, you know, we're in a growing city, tons of opportunity. Where, where do you see your guys in the future? I, I see us continuing to buy more companies and growing that portfolio. I think it could be both new platform businesses, but then also add-ons as well. We've already looked at a few add-ons for, for both companies, and I see us just constantly growing that. And then also from Coral Capital perspective, being, being a better resource for our operating companies, how can we help them operate as efficiently and as well as, as possible? What resources can we, can we provide them, provide our operating companies? So Lee, you, We've touched on the fact that there's 300 families that uh, get a check from Cornwell Capital. Can you touch on other things that uh, Cornwell's doing in the community, whether that's through Berlin or Paracurbers or Cornwell Capital directly? Absolutely. And that is a, the community side of things is a huge, is, is a big emphasis for us. And in fact, that is, so Cornwell, we have a, our, our purpose statement for Cornwall Capital is that we seek to create sustainable value for the benefit of our, of our family, stakeholders, and the community. Mm. So that is, and, and that's in there intentionally. We want to we want to help the communities that we are that we are in. So education is a huge focus for us. And at Berlin, we've done a lot of programs with Junior Achievement in Gaston County where we, we send some employees to go into elementary schools and we teach them about finance and money and business, try to help get them excited about that's phenomenal things, which is great. And then power curbers uh, is doing a lot of great things in Rowan County. They do a fair amount of work with some community colleges and also some high schools that are trying to develop some shop programs. Mm. And so they are trying to get some weld like welding programs off the ground. And so we're going to send some of our own welders over to the high school once a month or so to help teach a class and, and do some hands-on learning with them. How oh, great. Two of the biggest things missing in our workforce right now, in my opinion, financial literacy and just hands-on skills. These guys are doing it in both the counties they're working in. It's beautiful. 
No, absolutely. And I think what's great about it is you're, you're sending true applicable employees. They have a job, they've gotten a, you know, they're, they're able to actually tell the kids, you know, there's um there's an expression out there. No one's totally useless. They can always serve as a bad example. And it's kind of like with that, you're bringing a good example. You're showing them like, Hey, you know, this is somebody that's really doing it. It allows the kids to really just kind of pick somebody's brain and, and yeah. really kind of build a relationship. And it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. And also we, we haven't, I have not asked any of our employees to do this. They want to do it. These are their ideas. Oh, These are, cool. So this is, oh, wow. this, this isn't, this isn't us pushing it. These are our employees wanting to give back and, and be involved in the community, which is just terrific. That makes it even better. The thing I keep hearing about is is people, and I'm listening, and I'm letting them do. You definitely don't sound like the micromanager that's that's trying to to beat the nail down into the wood. You're actually trying to hear from your employees and and make their lives better, not just on the nine to five, but right right in the volunteer time. It is, and and into the volunteer time, as an employer and as an owner, you've got to give your folks the opportunity to do it. So at Burland, for example, we have just put into place a, a community involvement where we give all employees two PTO days in order to go give back and, and get involved in the community. So we are giving them paid time to go do this. Wow. That's great. Uh, that's great. Now, if, so you've got to be intentional about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you have anything to add on to that, Sam? No, I'm just... Uh, it, this has been a privilege and an honor to sit down with you, Lee, learn more about the companies and, and you as, as a man, what you're trying to do with these companies. So thank you for taking time with us today, man. Yeah. And real quick, you know, we told you we would only take about 30 minutes of your time. We're, we're buttoning up against that a little bit. I mean, Lee does have a family to go back to. We grabbed him on a Friday afternoon, drug him all the way over here. But one of the things that you said uh, just very quietly was a purpose statement. A lot of the times, I mean, this is an entrepreneur podcast. We're trying to bring education out there. We hear about elevator speeches and, and these types of things. I think that's the first time I've heard it actually be called a purpose statement. I mm-hmm. don't know if you want to, can you add on to that? Why is it a purpose statement versus an elevator speech or, or a mission statement or a mission statement, right? So this, so personally, yeah. this is the way I look at it. it. I get really confused when companies have a vision statement and a mission statement and all of these other things. I, I can't really tell right. what, it, what is what because then everyone does it differently. So for me and what I kind of dr- help drive our family to figure out is just what's our purpose? Why are right. we here? Why do we do what it is we do? And that is what is, that's what's important. And so we, we went through, a num- took us a number of months. We had a consultant involved to help us, guide us through this process to developing, hey, these are all, this, is, this is our purpose. This is what the business is here for. It's not just about making money. It's, it's got to be about more than that. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I know a lot of people that have made a lot of money but are not happy. So I feel like if you can dovetail your purpose statement, your mission statement, your reason for getting up with your job, it's beautiful, man. You're you're falling into a nice spot. So, you know, I, I, I tell you what, if, if anybody was looking to find you, um, how does somebody find you? Is it is it through Berlin? Is it through Cornwall Capital? What's a what's a good way to to, to reach Lee? Easily just shoot me an email. My, uh, we've got a cornwallcapital.com is our website, and my contact information is right there. All right. If you're looking to sell a business, be ready to be told no uh, because <laughs> they are very picky. 
They only want the pretty girls at the dance. That's exactly right. So thank you so much, Lee, for taking the time out of your day. and A lot of fun. Thank you. Thank Lee you Cornwell with Cornwell Capital. We're so honored to have you. And I tell you what, man, you have a great weekend. Thanks, y'all, too. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you so much. Welcome to USA Booming. You're the podcast that moves